1: Here we go. That's the Johnny McKegg Band. We are the Piffles Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm Alex. I'm back.
0: And I'm the only marketable oh, ass that we have,
1: apparently. <laughs> well, you're the only one we're willing to get rid of, I think.
0: But I mean, we'll I'm, go- I'm the only thing you get a return
2: for. <laughs> we'll go, we'll go I mean, with we put you- We put you on the block and didn't really get an offer back, so I'm not so sure about that
1: and that was CFL trade deadline day in a nutshell <laughs> give us a follow on Twitter at PifflesPod you can give me a follow at RealAlexD you
0: can find me at Safamod and as always I do not need nor want your pity follows at Greg on Sports
1: Piffles Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina uh, let's get to it time for the opening kickoff <laughs> Another week, another loss for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It was 31-13 last week to the Bombers, which we all kind of figured. We all kind of figured they'd lose that game, dropping the record to a not nice, nice 6-9 and record. Um, That game, it was was summed up in eight plays. It was Fajardo's wide-open touchdown that he had to Key Schaefer-Baker missed him in the flats. They kicked the field goal after that instead of going for a touchdown. Bomber scored two plays later. A two and out. Bomber score a couple plays later. That was the game. And I'm gonna get back to that decision about kicking the field goal in a couple minutes because I want to go a little bit further about with Craig Dickinson on that. But it's funny how they always say football comes down to six or so plays in a game. And that's kind of what dictates the game that really happened, but it all happened in a row, which was an
0: absolutely wild thing to see. The riders were hanging in until that point, like by no means were they threatening, but they were kind of trading punches with Winnipeg at that point. And then kick a field goal, two plays later, it's a touchdown two and out. And then, yeah, once again, touchdown, it's like, well, that game is over. This lead is safe. It, it's wild how quickly that game turned around.
2: It's insane to me that we're we're 15 games into the year and we're still talking about simple mental errors too, because like you said, the riders were going punch for punch all game long, but there was errors earlier in the game. They couldn't convert a third and one to save their lives. Fumble, uh, Cody Pajardo's uh, fumble when they were moving the ball. It, it just seemed like every time they got any momentum, they shot themselves in the foot in the foot and and they couldn't. They couldn't recover. And when you're going up against a team as talented as Winnipeg has shown to be this year, you can't make mistakes. You have to play solid sixty minute football. You can't. And they
1: didn't do that. And I think that's the frustrating thing with this team right now. Over the last ten games, I mean, two and eight in their last ten. But it's not like the other teams, aside from the second half of the Banjo Bowl, are blowing them away. That's what you said, Steve. They're doing it to themselves. Those third and ones, inexcusable, especially on a quarterback sneak. Like, how are you not getting that done? The play calling on the other one, the third and one where they handed it off. What are you doing? Just sneak ahead and get the first down. The running back gets the ball six yards behind the line of scrimmage. Of course, he's not going to get it there. Not against Winnipeg's defense. You, Like I said, you almost have to play a perfect game to beat Winnipeg. And this team has showed that they can hang in with them they really can. And it's not Winnipeg beating them, it's themselves beating them. But
0: well, that's always been the story for the last couple of seasons against Winnipeg. The losses are mistakes they made. Look at the playoff game last year, five was it? Five turnovers and we still lost. Like there's because they couldn't
2: convert on them. It's it's ridiculous. Well, if you if you look at the season as a whole, We're we're going in again to game 16 of 18. Were it not for a couple of errors and bad lead or bad blown leads all season long, rather than being in a must-win game, we'd be talking about looking at, you know, potentially hosting a playoff game. But this team can't seem to get their their crap together. And when you're two games away from the end of the regular season, you're at that point now where you just assume they won't. Nothing, nothing has given us any confidence to assume that this team is going to figure it out for 60 minutes. And even if they somehow limp into the playoffs, it, it's, it's going to be a one and done.
1: There was positives from that game though. Look at that offensive line. They didn't allow a sack and Dan Clark made it through almost the whole game. It was uh, Cody's fumble that kind of took him out for a little bit.
0: Arn Anderson would have loved that chop block.
1: Oh, man, that fumble, which Cody said has never happened to him before. Um, Cody dives down to get the ball, and that's he hits Dan Clark in the in the back of the leg. Um, but Clark missed a couple plays, but he came right back in and, and finished it off. And, and the O-line actually looked okay. And this Cooper Richardson looks like he could be a keeper. It's a shame that it took 15 weeks to find this guy. Um, but there are some positives on that O-line. And if that's the line going forward, then that's probably the best chance they have at, at protecting Cody and hopefully getting, getting some points on the board and, and actually scoring and winning uh, going into the playoffs.
2: Maybe we'll get lucky and actually keep a running back healthy for, uh, for longer than two quarters going into the end of the season. Ah, it doesn't it's matter.
1: The they don't use them after the first quarter anyway.
2: Yeah, but when one of them is your starting kick returner, I'd like him to survive but also
0: come on like do we really need a running back all, 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 all we use most first uh, third down anyway and that doesn't work so what's the point
1: yeah jason moss doesn't like running backs doesn't matter
0: all right no i'm not,
1: not going to dwell on that bomber's loss i hate the saying it is what it is but it is what it is but the big story in riderville to me this week happened around the trade deadline day on what was that tuesday
0: Wednesday. Are you talking about the three-way that got uh, that fell through?
1: Oh yeah, I read that on a on a Facebook page somewhere. There there was a three-way trade in the works where Bo Levi Mitchell was coming to Saskatchewan. Now, first off, okay, it was Wednesday was the trade deadline? No trades for the Riders. There was the one for uh, Winnipeg getting uh, Alden Darby back uh, from the Ticats.
0: They were in the hunt for Lawler until he got injured. Yeah, like Winnipeg, go away. Seriously, just go away. We don't like you. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Uh,
1: first off, no. are you guys surprised that there was no moves for the riders?
0: No, I, I didn't expect anything major to happen. Like, I don't know what they could have gotten or besides what everyone wants and no one was going to give up anyway. So I, it doesn't surprise me. Would it surprise me? It would would it surprise me if they didn't weren't attempting something? Yeah, but I don't know. Jo seems to be fairly confident in what he had. So I don't know if that was just for media or if he was actually if he actually believed that.
2: I mean, I mean, this is the trade deadline in the CFL. There, there's never action on trade deadline day. I think, I think when we had what was it, three or four trades a few years back, that was a that was a huge deal. This isn't the NHL trade deadline where you're. Action packed from 8 a.m. until the deadline. That doesn't even but happen I, anymore. I, I would have hoped that we would have at least been making calls. There's clear gaps, especially after losing Frankie Hickson, after losing um, Keenan LaFrance last week. You know, we have no legitimate running back right now. I hoped they'd at least make some call there and a lineman. But to see no moves, I mean, this, they've had all season to improve their roster and haven't why would the trade deadline be any different?
1: So that means Bo Levi Mitchell does not come to Saskatchewan yet anyway. And it was funny to me when Jeremy O'Day, who actually came out of whatever cave he's been living in this season um, and actually spoke to the media for the first time in God knows how long, since the draft, since the first day of training camp, something like that. Um, (laughs) He chuckled when they asked him about Oh, what are the odds of you guys talking to Calgary about Bo Levi Mitchell? And he chuckled. Yeah, you know why you chuckled? Because Bo Levi isn't coming here. They weren't. Calgary wasn't going to trade him to begin with. But also, he's not coming here. Not by choice. If he has any say in it, he's not coming here. The Riders had their chance. They blew it to get Bo Levi Mitchell a couple years ago. He's not coming here. But. It was kind of nice to see Jeremy O'Day speak a little bit of truth there as well too, when asked about the O line. How come you guys aren't getting a whole bunch of O line prospects coming in? Well, guys are waiting around for NFL shots, and if you can latch on to a practice roster in the NFL, that's a hell of a lot better than getting onto a practice roster in the CFL. So it was nice to actually hear him say it. We all know that's what that's what it is, uh, but to actually hear the guy finally speak and say that hopefully that uh calms down some of
2: rider nation it won't <laughs> i mean we saw it with with Drew Desjardins and Dakota Shepley they're not taking you know end of the season cfl money at the at the risk of losing out on it on a, even a practice roster spot the money just doesn't make sense why would they but that doesn't excuse the lack of you know potential trades out there there's three teams right well two teams and us that are effectively on the outside looking in that uh, that could be making moves and none of them did that's the part that surprises me the most i mean hamilton trading a db was the the sh- the, you know, the only move of the entire deadline
1: well there's the opening kickoff presented by kathy festion of royal page or john or realty Onto our Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. Fire Craig Dickinson right now. I know there's only three games left, but this guy does not have it. The play calling, the execution, all this stuff. I'm I'm over that. It it came down to this when they when they asked him after the game about losing to Winnipeg, and they he said, loved them. "How's the?" Well, I'm sure he said that he loved him many many times. They asked him, how's the locker room doing? How are they with this loss? He said he didn't know that he doesn't go in there. Now I get it. The locker room is a player's place, but the coach still leads and he should be in there talking to the guys and knowing what the vibe is in there. He has no idea what the vibe is From his own team. He has lost control of his team. They don't respect him. And it's becoming blatantly obvious. And he's getting nothing from these guys. How many times have we seen over the last 10 games. When they've gone 2-8 and in those games. That it looks like the team has given up. They don't care. They're so passive right now. It's a good thing they won 4 games really early in the season. To actually get the 6 wins. And the East is an absolute joke right now. So it's a good thing that happened because they're going to squeak into the playoffs somehow and they don't deserve it. Fire Craig Dickinson. Give Jason Shivers the audition right now because I don't think there's anybody else on staff that should be the team's head coach next year. But at least you would know with Jason Shivers with a couple of weeks left. Now I know, okay, you're still in the playoffs. You're not going to fire your coach while you're in the middle of the playoff race and you have a huge game against Hamilton coming up which basically decides whether you make it to the playoffs or not. But I'm just so sick of this guy being the coach and not knowing what's going on with his own team. It's been a whole year of him not knowing what the vibe is in that locker room. He doesn't know what his team's identity is. Coach, you're the one that drives that. This guy isn't head coach material, and it's just, I'm, I'm done with him. It's just nauseating to me
0: now. It's safe to say Craig's on his last legs. If they lose this weekend, do I see them turfing him before the end of the season? No, I don't see, I don't see them turfing him before the end of the season. Regardless, it's, he's going to, he's going to ride it out. And at the end of the year, they're going to move on. I I don't see how they can't. Um, This season has been an absolute tire fire and it's come from the coaching. So yeah, he's, he's not head coach material. Great man. Kind of caught lightning in a bottle. Both him and Cody caught lightning in a bottle in 2019. Obviously, it just never, uh, never was sustainable. I guess
2: it. It almost feels like over the last few years, and I hate to say this, I you know we like I like Craig Dickinson as a human being, but it almost feels like we've been winning in spite of him. Between the discipline issues, the clock, the constant clock management and challenging issues. Oh, like, that 2019 like season just, was fun. He just can't seem to figure it out. And I understand your first few weeks, your first, maybe your first season even, you're getting your feet under you. You're gonna learn those clock management things as you go. Not everybody has it out of the gate, but this is his third full season as a head coach, and he's been regressing the the discipline has gone out the window his inability to to grasp how to control this team even from the outside is is bordering on embarrassing like to hear your coach say like like Alex said I don't go in the locker room I don't know how the guys are how how do you not know the mood of your team going into now the biggest game of the year it's, it's just, we've made excuses for for two years and it's, it stops. I don't see them letting them go. I don't see it happening now. But even if they somehow manage to squeak into the playoffs, I can't see how Jeremy O'Day and Craig Reynolds can look at this roster that was put together, which overall was a very good, solid roster, and look back and go, you know, Craig Dickinson made that team better. Let's keep him around.
1: Yeah, I know nothing's going to happen with him. I know he's here for the rest of the season, won and done the playoffs, assuming that they make it there. And then he's likely gone after that. I know it's not going to happen, but it should. It really should because this team doesn't have time to sit around and, and wait anymore.
0: But at the same time, I'm not a fan. If if you're going to pull the trigger on a coaching change, especially to a a young coach, for his first trial like shivers would be i'm not a fan of like a two-game trial even like you that needs to be done in the first half of the season if you if you're going to can your coach because you need to get him get his legs underneath him as a first-time head coach and i i just think you're going to set him up to fail if you do do it with a, a game left
1: yeah it's a little bit of a different situation than what happened in ottawa with paul lapelis getting fired bobby dice getting interim head coach we all know he got that here in uh 2015 and ended up winning uh, his first game, which was Labor Day, I think. It was. Um, but, I mean, that was a long time coming for Paul Lapolis And But it's funny, though, because they're still in the playoff race. They can still get into the playoffs themselves. It's likely not going to happen, but there's still that chance.
0: I still can't believe they pulled the trigger on him. To me, it makes no sense. Like, Police was wearing two hats, removing your special teams coordinator and the head coach. Like sounds like they, as of a couple of days ago, they were still trying to figure out who's going to be running this offense. Like I still, I still can't believe they did it.
2: I mean, I feel like they've been trying to figure out who's going to run that offense for two years. So another couple of days, isn't going to make a huge difference.
1: And yeah, I'm actually really surprised. Uh, sounds like Oseg actually listened to the fans. They've been calling Ottawa fans have been calling for a police for a while. And, and his record as a head coach proves that he, shouldn't have lasted this long granted that team's roster as much change as they had this off season going into this year. It wasn't a good roster. It was fine. I mean, it doesn't help when your starting quarterback gets hurt in what game four, game five, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, let, I'm, I'm surprised that it happened. I figured they just let it go for the rest of the year. Um, kind of like what's going to happen Craig Dickinson um looking around the league still no gray cup halftime show announcement we're just over a month away from the gray cup what's going on
2: it it'll, it'll be announced at the october 16th game or october 17th game or whatever or next home game whatever day that is i'd uh, i'd wager dollars to donuts on that one i looked back and last year's gray cup was announced just over was it just over or just under a month out from the game wasn't that so close? we're right on yeah it was it was announced in november for that december 4th game yeah but everybody knew it was Arkells. i was right going to say or did we just all <laughs> assume it was Arkells? we we all knew but they didn't they didn't officially announce it now this time at least there's no there's no rumblings beyond nickelback because of a con or a, an album drop there's been no other real rumors so it's kind of a uh, it'll be a surprise if it's anybody no matter who it is but we're not that far off yet from from their last year's timeline I, and, I, and i guess i, I actually I kind of do remember they also
0: kind of surprised announced the lumineers like like a week week and a half right before the gray cup too so that for uh, last year's gray cup uh with the Arkells, so it just seemed like it was a lot longer but like i said i think arkel everyone's been on the arkel since the gray cup was announced in hamilton
2: yeah, the only the only surprise was going to be whether or not they or whether they did the 2021 or 2023 great cup. Both yeah, I'd be surprised. That would seem like a a CFL thing to do.
1: Well, hopefully they announce something really soon because I'm I'm really curious as to what they do here because you're losing a lot of interest in well, rider football here. going the local the teams record, but like People are, riders likely looking at it right now, probably aren't going to be in the Great Cup, barring a miracle crossover run. So people are looking at selling their tickets already. So I don't know if, I mean, you can't announce a halftime show based off of what the home fan base is doing with their tickets, but because the tickets are already sold. So what do you care if people show up or not? But. Just to keep that interest generated in the league when, you know, attention's starting to fall off a little bit anyway, especially in the biggest league market that they have here in Saskatchewan.
0: I think maybe they want to announce it. I want to know because my, my flight from Montreal gets back at 3 30 Sunday afternoon. So I need to know what I'm getting back for because I know it's not going to be the friggin' riders.
1: All right, well, let's take a look at the uh, the game coming up here on Friday, which is, uh, wow, uh, by the time anybody listens to this today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Happy game day, absolute, guys. Yeah.
0: Well, welcome to the uh, pregame show.
1: It's an absolute must win for the Riders if they want to make the playoffs. They win this. They basically know they're getting into the playoffs. It's not a guarantee, but it's pretty much guaranteed. Uh, but if they lose this game, they have two against Calgary coming up right now, looking at it, they're not beating Calgary in either of those games. Hamilton only has to tie them, which they would need one more win in the final couple weeks of the season. They need to win this game. They really do. And they're going to do it with uh, no running backs. Shaq Cooper is getting the start at running back who they brought back for the third
2: time this season. Um, and I'm sure Craig Dickinson loves that. After after Cooper called him out, and they, he doesn't uh, go into
0: the dressing rooms. He doesn't care. Brother doesn't even talk to him.
1: Yeah, he probably doesn't even know that Shaq Cooper's on the team.
0: Um, and again, they're That's
1: going right. with uh, no Duke Williams, who's on the six-game list. Um, before we, Duke's got to be done with the Riders now, right? Like he's not playing another game in green and white. Now that he's six-gamed. He's like, he's done, right? He has to be. Do they even want him around? Because it doesn't look what like happened it. To him? It, uh, it was his ankle and then he got hurt in practice again. And that's why he missed last week's game. And that's when he got put on the six game list.
2: What a waste of a quarter million dollars. Well, the good news is now that you got six game, we're
0: not paying for the last little bit of it. I'm thinking that's the only reason why he got six-gamed. So they don't – because they're not going to pull him off for the playoffs. So. Like, just how quickly
1: did the the, the narrative on Duke Williams flip here in Saskatchewan? In the offseason, he was number one priority. You had to sign him. doesn't matter what it takes. You have to sign him. They did. Great. Now everybody wants him gone. And this has been brewing for a long, long time. This has been going since July with touchdown Atlantic and and the suspension for swinging his helmet. Since then, everybody's been on the trade Duke or cut Duke train, which is wild to me considering how talented of a receiver he is. But it's just not vibing here. I don't know if that's him with the players because
0: it's mostly the same team as last year. I think it's it's him and Cody. I think him and Cody never got on the same page. This season was obvious; those two just could not hook up because Duke's numbers, even the games he did play, were not good. Him and Cody were always either a step ahead or a step behind, and the plays he did make, he usually was diving or sliding or something else. Like it's, it just wasn't a good fit this year. Then you throw in the extracurriculars with the helmet and with taking that really stupid penalty while being on the bench. Not even dressed. It's wasn't a good it wasn't a good fit this year.
1: Um, they're also going in this game without Anthony Lanier again, uh, with the concussion. Um I have to think he's probably not playing the rest of the year either because he hasn't practiced once. They got the bye week coming up, I guess, and, and maybe you get him back for the last couple of games, but it nothing suggests that he's going to be coming back which is a shame because he's still what third in pressures on the d-line for he was having a great league.
0: season he, he was having an all-star season and it, yeah that concussion cut it short and i know a you, lot of people
2: right now is are, putting up.
0: i know a lot of
1: people right now are talking about how oh i guess the the d-line would be a lot better if they had a guy that they didn't cut a couple months ago for being a jerk to people um This D-line would be a hell of a lot better with Anthony Lanier back. To me, that's the biggest loss this team has had this season is losing him.
2: You could put me on that defensive line beside Anthony Lanier and I could probably get to the quarterback. Like it's, it was, he was what we expected Micah Johnson to be in his time here. He was an absolute beast in the middle that was taking double teams nonstop. And his, our downside has coincided a lot, especially on the defense, with him being missing. You look back at our defense while he was on the field and compare it to the numbers in the games he's missed, and you will see a noticeable difference. It's honestly you look at look at the way he was playing, I would have put up put him up there as a candidate for most outstanding defensive player, not just for the riders, for the CFL. And he was doing it quietly.
1: And uh, one other thing uh, with the roster this week, and I know this is, I mean, it's a its a depth chart. It doesn't have the final say on where people line up. But seeing Key and Schaefer-Baker put out at wide out again, this guy played in the slot for Duke Williams early in the season, had his best game, hundred what do you have, 80, 180 yards that game?
0: 190,
1: BC I think. Game. Yeah. Like, it was just an absolutely ridiculous game that he had. And he hasn't been in the slot ever since. Yeah, he has plays where he moves into the slot and whatnot. Um, why? Like, that, that boggles me. And that's a coaching thing again. That's a Craig Dickinson and Jason Moss thing. It's, it's on both of them. Why are you not getting your best player on offense closer to the ball? Closer to your quarterback? Get him the ball. Earlier this year, they were having success. They were winning games. Why? They were given the ball to Keen Schaefer Baker and they've forgotten about him. And it's a shame because this guy's a stud and he should be getting 10, 12 targets a game. I like Kyron Moore, but how many swing passes are we going to throw to him? All of them? Yeah. Give a couple to KSB, but start moving like, do something different with these guys. Like, it's so predictable and so boring. Weren't the, where so where the Riders like,
0: celebrating that, that Moore had like 10 catches last game? I'm like, yeah, because I just for, kept on throwing him the ball. For 80-something yards? Like, yeah. that's...
1: An 8-yard average for a receiver is not that good. You, you're you looking, hopefully, for about 16, 17 in the CFL. That's a good average. A really good average. 8? No. And that's not, that's not a... a a knock at Kyron Moore because when you're catching the ball at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage, you're not given much of a chance to get out there and, and get downfield
2: really. I'm, I'm all in favor of getting Kyron Moore the ball. He He's a playmaker when he does have the ball in his hands, but I don't want him getting the ball at the expense of key and Baker, because we've seen from the start of the season, what he can do with absolutely nothing, no help, no, nothing there. Just, just hit, just him out on his own and he'll make things happen. The The two of those, if you can get the two of them involved consistently in a game, it will do wonders for this offense.
0: But- if you can get both those guys going, that opens up the stretch pass for Shaq down the line. But For some reason, we just can't seem to get that going.
1: And every time they've actually gotten the ball to Shaq, it looks like the 2019 connection of Cody to Shaq. It looks good. It's just not happening. They're like, they're not even attempting it most times. So I'm trying to figure out where this offense is going. And I don't even think they know where it's going. I, like it's 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 frustrating. It's a good thing that Hamilton's missing a bunch of guys on defense. Uh, I don't think Simone Lawrence is playing this week. Uh, Ryder fans will be happy about that. Um,
0: He's scared. That's why.
1: That's it. Yep. <laughs> but like in a in a must win game like this, they have to pull out all the stops. This has to be the best game they've played all season. It has to be. And with the way that they fought back against Winnipeg in the last game being down, what was it? 17 to three and, and climb their way back and probably should have taken control of that game and won it. Maybe there's, there's something to build on there, but this has to be a full complete game. So I know there's no must win games until they're actually like, until you absolutely have to, have to, have to win, but this is as close as it gets. This team needs to get, especially going into a bye week again with the, kind of where the bye weeks were placed. This team usually sucks going into a bye week. They get blown out. And they, they suck coming out of it
0: too. Like that's <laughs> yeah. the riders are never good
1: with bye weeks. And you got Calgary coming out of the bye week. Who seems like they're finding their stride right now. Like this is, this is as must win as it gets without it being actually must win.
2: See, I would absolutely argue that it is 100% a must win. If the riders lose this game on Friday, they no longer control their own destiny. Yeah. They need help from there. As of right now, they are in control. They win They win out, they make the playoffs. They beat Hamilton and win once in Calgary, they make the playoffs. But if they lose on Friday night, they need Hamilton to lose again. Otherwise, their season is over. So I I would absolutely classify this as a must win.
1: All right, well, let's get to our uh, picks this week, and that's the first game of the week. Uh, nice early, I think it's five thirty kickoff. Riders at Hamilton on Friday night.
2: I'm going to be a homer. The riders, say the one of us has to be, to be the first it. one off the ship. Yeah, the, the riders will pull it together. This this feels like a game they have to win. They know they have to win.
0: For all and that is they holy, don't. they better win.
1: Riders. Everything points to a Riders loss, just the way that they've played the last 10 weeks. But Hamilton, they're just, they're not good. I'm going with the Riders. I have to go with the Riders this one. Um, BC at Toronto. Should be a pretty
0: entertaining game, actually. I'm actually going to take uh, Toronto on this one. Yeah, uh,
2: I'm going to not take Toronto. I, I got BC in this one.
1: Uh, I'm also going with BC in this one. Um, Edmonton at Winnipeg <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> Do we really need to go, go through this?
1: No, I think we all yeah, we're all on the Winnipeg train there. Um, this is actually a, a pretty pretty important one for Montreal on Thanksgiving Monday, Ottawa at Montreal. It's I Montreal?
0: don't I, I don't think. Uh, Bobby Dice has the magic to win his first game as a head coach of Ottawa I I think Montreal is going to beat him pretty good because stand back everyone stand back stand back I I couldn't wait to post that gif again it's been a long time I was
1: waiting all day for you to post that and you finally did and I was like yes that's the one thing I was waiting for was the Vince McMahon stand back gif to play
2: that's that's UCF legend William Standback. UCF, might, yeah. might I add, I, it's not in it's not in Ottawa, so Ottawa has a chance, not much of one. I'm still going Montreal.
1: Yeah, Montreal win this one. They're the they're the better team, and they're honestly they're playing for first place. So I mean that's a pretty important game for them. So they'll they'll show up for that. All right, well that's gonna do it for us this week here on the Piffles Podcast. Thanks to our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina, and uh, as well to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty, Pure Chill Brewing Company, and uh, Greg's always happy when I thank Kurt Angle for his little appearance on the show as well. Piffles Podcast is a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind
0: by Tyler Gilbert. It's okay in a three-way. With the stamps in the middle, there's some leeway. The